Peace, love, and fish grease family. It's your girl, Coffee, here, and we're here for a special edition of Passion Meets Politics. Um, I'm here with the homie, Rim, Dasha St. Rennie. Uh, she is a, a newfound friend. Um, our friendship is fairly new. She's an amazing, super creative, super talented. She put me in my first feature film, you know. <laughs> I became a little short film movie star <laughs> because of her, but... Um, I wanted to interview Dasha because she's doing amazing work in the world um, in centering black queer people in religious spaces, especially traditionally black religious spaces. Uh, and because Philly Black Pride is coming up, I just felt like it was important for us to kind of center those stories. So we just going to hop into it. Yeah. So, you know, introduce yourself to the people. Let them know who you are, where you're from. Hello. Um, I am... Reverend DeSaint. <laughs> she gave my full name. I did. <laughs> uh, I go by DeSaint, um, which is my first and last name merged together, Dasha St. Remy. I'm originally from Miami, Florida, but I've been in Philly for four years now. It'll be officially four years this summer. And yeah, um, I've made Philly home this year, which is crazy because never would I have imagined that I would move away from home where I know nobody and make it home and find family and feels very much like home. So yeah, I'm happy to be here and happy to, you know, share some words with the I'm, people. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited that in four years you decided that Philly was home because we are a rough city. Listen, man, my, <laughs> let me tell you, it was rough coming in here. It was, I man, my first two years here, nothing, nothing nice. I think things started turning around for me top of last year. Okay. And so, um, yeah, I'm just I'm just glad. I'm just glad. All right, so tell the people what you what you do besides what being real. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I call myself an artistic minister mm -hmm. and um, a spiritual MC. Um, those are you. Uh, if you find me, I know my. You didn't ask me this yet, but I'm just saying in mo most of my social media handles, and um, and basically what it is, I minister through the arts. I I've always loved the arts. The art have has always spoken to me in in ways that nothing else have. Music poetry, um, going to the museum, seeing just beautiful, like this season of spring, um, the glory of what all is and isn't is all, all great and all artistic. And so it ministers to me and I find a way to collectively bring those things, aspects together so that it can minister to others. Cause I don't believe everyone can be ministered to in the same way and the traditional ways. I'm glad that you said that because <laughs> I definitely believe um, in the multiple ways that worship happens, mm -hmm. like I feel like we had worship cutting up at your dining room table last night. <laughs> yes, that was worship. The um, the after the the, the, the repast of Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> that was good. Yes. So um, I, I and I did want to like sit down and talk to you about last night um because uh what um. Um, Saint did was intentionally center um, black and brown queer bodies in this very white space, and I don't mean white as in she got hands, hands up, up. <laughs> and I don't mean white in like a derogatory sense. I just mean that it was a it was it's a white church. Yes, um, you know I I don't know many black Mennonites. I don't know if there's a whole lot of black Mennonites that, that exist. <laughs> I know some, but I don't know many. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, 
Dasha gathered a number of her friends and, you know, relationships that we share. Um, and they tore the house down, y'all. Like, I would, I had been in church all day. And it was, I, I thought I wasn't going to be able to make it. Me and me and Kim were sitting next to each other like, look, they got about an hour. <laughs> They're going to have to make it work in an hour. And then everybody started preaching. And you opened us up really intentionally. And I was like, and, and spirit just fell over and gave me a whole burst of energy. Um, so I, I want to talk about like why you decided, like what's the why behind actually centering these? Because you knew there too, like you knew over there, <laughs> you knew over there, and you decided to take a risk. So first of all, thank you for taking the risk. You're welcome, right? Because <laughs> we we really need to say thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. It was a blessing. Um, but why why was it important that you intentionally put all of us in that space together to worship? Yeah, and so. Kira, to be honest with you, I I can't even I can't even begin to tell you what what my own personal journey has meant for me. I mean, we would need two podcasts, and I'm not we're not gonna do that. <laughs> so my why behind it was um, kind of similar to what I said last night was you know. Jesus narrative, if we really look at it and read it, um, for a long time, Jesus was saying to the disciple, um, you know, do not tell folks about what I've, what you've seen here, what you've done here, what you witness here, because he knew that, um, once word got out, his trajectory would change and it was not time yet. Regardless, mm-hmm. his trajectory was going to change, right? right? His path was going to change and it was not time yet. Um, and so Jesus, in a sense, uh, stayed in the closet, stayed, mm-hmm. listen, listen. When she said that, I, I fell out and I, I wanted to fall Stay out covered. So you, you listen, and, and and but with intention, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but when it was time, he knew that him being free, um, his the reason why he stayed in the closet or stayed covered, mm. stay let's say stay covered, mm. right? Stay covered was to also bring other people along the journey who yeah. was who was placed in the closet, who was pushed into the closet, mm. who was pushed into the margins, and so um, this act of bringing these voices into the space was to give them visibility, mm. accessibility, mm. and vocal ability. Too long have we been put to the side, put to the closet, co- to the closet, covered up. And it's time that we center ourselves. Yeah. And so, um, regardless of your sexuality first, because we are people of color. And so I was very intentional first right. about this was going to be a person of color space that speaks these truths. Mm-hmm. And to add into that, in, into that was yes, the, the narrative of our queerness. Um, you know, I believe everybody is queer, right? And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dissect that. I'll let people work that <laughs> work that out amongst yourself. Amongst you. <laughs> <laughs> and this, and the thing is, put you know, the people think people always jump to the erotic, right? The sexuality right. when it comes to queerness. That has nothing. I mean, th- there's some aspects about it, but that's that's really that's not, just one part that's, of queerness. That's really what it's not about, right? And so, um, and so. 
talking about it in a real man jesus was so queer queer is being weird was being out of the box is being non-traditional so that is literally why i choose to identify as queer and not as bisexual and not as pansexual i claim that word for myself because i am i I am strange i am i am clear that i am meant to push all of the boundaries right like peculiar person as a (laughs) as a child it's what i did best I pushed my mama to her boundaries. I asked my daddy why 50 million times so that I could just understand it. Like, I push I push people to in, in places to their limits because yes. I want to see how far you can go. Sometimes it ain't always the best thing. Come on. Come <laughs> on. Tell the truth. Shame I'm sorry. <laughs> it ain't always the best thing. But in organizing and being vocal around, like, education of black and brown children, I noticed that when I push the envelope in those spaces... That progress is being made. Yeah. Right? So, I, I like the word queer for what you just said. Like, Jesus was, he was a queer man. He was very strange. They was like, who this young, I mean, who was a 12, you a 12 year old. And you in the, and you in the <laughs> temple touching stuff you ain't got no business touching. They talking about to your parents, talking about, don't you have to, know I have to be in my father's business. Listen. And my, don't you know. I got to get it right. <laughs> I mean, y'all my earthly parents, but let's not forget Oh. Mary, <laughs> what the situation? See them twelve years got you. <laughs> it was like a meme on Twitter or something where it was like, can you imagine Mary like Jesus just performing random miracles and Mary being like, damn it, <laughs> like in Black Mama fashion. Can't take you nowhere. <laughs> you always doing something. Always touching something. Um, but no, like I think about, and I think there there are these points in in. Jesus' story where you really see his queerness, right? But you also see his his where he's problematic too, mm. right? So Jason over the summer preached about um the Seraphonician woman. Yes. Yes. And how Jesus literally called her a bitch. Yeah. And I was like, he said that. And but, I was like, it's there. But here's the gift. And and that's the vocal ability, right? Mm-hmm. The vocal ability, the visibility is that and the accessibility is that number one, she had access to Jesus. Number Come on, two, access. Number two, um, Jesus saw her, noticed her, and he responds. Her vocal ability, the fact that he hears her, he then has to respond. Right. And so that's the gift because he could have just ignored her. her once he called her out, right? Right. And so she checks him. Yes. She checks him and she he says, I see you. I am going to give you access and I hear your voice. That is divine accountability. Yes. That's divine accountability. That is literally, that's the, that is the perfect example in lovingly calling somebody in. Because we think, we really think that Jesus wasn't God and human at the same time. But right. we actually, there's so many points in the story where we see him pushing out. I mean, he went in the temple and told stuff up. He was kicking stuff over, flipping tables. Because he was angry, like he got angry multiple times at his life. I mean, he was begging for his life at the end of it. He knew mm-hmm. he had to do it. But you know, he's literally in the garden, like, if there's a way we can get around this, I want it. Yeah. And I think seeing his queerness and his humanness in those moments are the thing that now, and, and having access to that theology through queer people, 
through queer bodies mm-hmm. is the thing that has made my mo- my most recent journey back to Jesus. Yes. So so much easier. Like I see so many more possibilities with y'all in my life. Yes. Yes. And it's so and I'm so grateful for it because I don't think if I stayed where I was that I'd have been that I'd have been able to be this way, you know. Let me tell you, um, and 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 the and the idea of making room for more—that was something else that that was spoken in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I think you you speak to that. I mean, the response that I got, even from non-queer people who do not identify, who is not part of the LGBTQ community, right. um, one one of my friends um, shared with me uh, this morning was. She hadn't been in church for years Mm -hmm. because she was a part of a church here in Philadelphia Mm -hmm. that... Place women at the margins could not could not speak could not hold it. I mean, we we still doing that. You know what I'm saying? Are, are told to stay with their partners regardless of the abuse that you're experiencing. You know what I mean? And to be brought back into the fold, you know, in 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 such a way. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. It has nothing to. Yeah. And people think it's it. Oh. We can't speak because we can't speak for God because of the bodies that we're in. Mm. Who said that? That gift. Who said who said that? <laughs> who said like I really want to know who said it. Because there's literally no place in the book that says that. And people I, I this is kind of where I want to get into like your, you know, your seminarian experience cuz mm-hmm. you basically went to it HBCU version of the seminary, correct? Mm. I did. <laughs> I, I not uh, I went to an HBCU right, seminary. Right, 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 right. Like that's I, I had never heard. Shout of out it. the ITC, the Interdenominational <laughs> Theological Center, Morehouse grad. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about like the experience. Um, so let me know if I overstep a boundary, because um, I'm all about setting clear boundaries. Were you out when you were in seminary? No. So um, I'll share. I'll share my journey, um, and this will be the first time in public. Really. That I will share my journey. Yes. I am honored. I am in. I'm in a. You know. I'm in a different space now, and so I'm just unapologetically, unafraid, unashamed of my whole being, and I'm like Jesus yeah, on God. this journey. That's yeah, saying, God. Listen, I just want to get the other people free, and if, if if by setting other free is just by sharing my story, then let it be so. Yes. So when I went to seminary, um, I I was always a peculiar child. <laughs> My mama will tell you. Um, and uh, I remember I remember the first semester, I actually dated um, a guy there shortly, briefly. And it was always the same thing, you know, um, same thing with guys. And, and, and I'm queer. Like, I just love who I love mm-hmm. and love who loves me. Right. Um, and so um, there was a young lady, at, I think after the first um, semester of seminary, that was interested in me. And uh, and I, I had, I mean, I'm so oblivious when people like me. I'm, I'm so, I just have. I feel me. like that's also what makes queer people like queer. Because we like, no, you got a crush on me. Yeah, I have no, I mean, I know when I like somebody, but I have no clue. Like somebody could be crushing on me so hard. And I'm like, I have no oh, clue. And so, I mean, after a while, long story short, um, when I finally got it, um, I actually confronted the young lady and um, I decided to, I asked her out, you Mm -hmm. know, and so, and we were already friends and 
And from from there, it just developed into something that um, I thought was going to be. Sh- I, I I didn't really think. I didn't even know. Um, but I I I know that I liked the way I feel in my body and with this person. I felt safe, and I was discovering myself in a new way. Mm-hmm. And we, I mean, we stayed together throughout our seminary journey. Um, and hence how I got here. I mm-hmm. moved to Philly for love and felt that. Um, this was going to be the it for me. Um, and it did not last. Right. And hence, you know, my first two years in Philadelphia being very rough because I moved here for someone to a place I didn't know nobody but her and her family. And to have that rip away from me, I really believe, I believe it was divine in the same time. As hurtful as this was, it, it was a... a time of growth for me and it was towards the end of that relationship that I started coming out Mm -hmm. um parts of it was because it was a fear of losing her Mm because there was a there was a narrative and I say there was a narrative because Mm -hmm. there's several narratives that the um the reason why we weren't progressing in our relationship was because I wasn't fully out and so I found someone in my family my cousin um, who I try, I said, who can I call on my Rolodex right. <laughs> that I can show her how, how serious I am about this. And even though I am terrified, mm-hmm. um, of sharing this part of me with her, I need to tell somebody so she knows how serious I am. And I realized now that after telling my cousin, um, and the response I got, it was like, you did this because I gave you an ultimatum. I'm like, yes, but yes, you gave me an ultimatum. But, but I, I did what you I, I did. did what you wanted me to do. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but I'm serious. I want to show you how serious, serious I, I am about this. Mm-hmm. Anyways, it, and it, it didn't work out. Um, um, and from there, at, during my healing journey, I knew this was very very much a part of me to my car. I had done the work about, you know, I really never felt... Um, I, I didn't have the narrative, the experience of, oh, God must hate me. I can't say I come from that. Like, mm. uh, God must hate me in my being. Because the grace that I received was that Amen. I went to seminary, a seminary that taught about loving ourselves, affirming ourselves as black, brown, queer, alt, and, and then Rise, um, Rise Church in Atlanta, which I was a part of, Dr. Maisha Handy, we were all about just affirming ourselves. And I had a lot of teaching, a lot of books um, that had already helped me cultivate me while I was going through my queerness. So I never questioned God and God, I never felt God questioned me or my mm. being. The whole, my fear was just everybody, my fa- else. everybody else, you know, yeah. that's, <clears throat> that that's the thing that um is always really interesting uh because I wasn't afraid I wasn't afraid of everybody else like I didn't care that the world knew mm. right mm. cared that my mama and my grandmother knew mm. and when I came out and I told them they were like my mom literally it, it and if anybody has ever listened to my podcast with my mother where I ask her this and she she still thinks parts of me are confused She's like, mm. I think you want to be with a man. And I'm like, nah, sis, that ain't it. <laughs> but um, hearing hearing her say that and then, like, just kind of explaining to her, like, this is what it is. Like, I just need you to be prepared. And her literally saying that she was just afraid, mm. right? It was her fear. It wasn't the fact that who I was loving or being intimate with. Yeah. It was the fact that she thought that somebody was going to kill me. That's a real And that thing. I was not going to be able to exist in this body the way that I am. But I had to put it into perspective for her. And I said to her, 
Um, well, my mom organized. Mm. I could die in the street organizing. A cop could shoot me tomorrow. Yeah. I could be at a protest minding my business and the cop pull out the gun and shoot me and I could die. Or you could just be, be driving. Right. Or walking. Right. Just or sitting in the park with your friends. You're black and you're a woman. Because people don't see our queerness. Right. You know what I'm saying? So just because of that. I mean. It's also part of the reason that I feel like um, your uh, short film was so mm-hmm. powerful. Uh, especially that last bit. The part with um, Brittany and Vince. Mm-hmm. That part was really, really powerful. You're talking um, about church doors. Yes, mm-hmm. church doors. Because it um, showed... Uh, it showed how how ego puts people's lives at risk. Mm-hmm. And that's dangerous. Especially when you're showing up in a queer body. That's dangerous. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so uh, I just want to give context to the, to the film. Um, there's a character who is very, what we would call flamboyant and very colorful in his presentation. And there's a young man who walks by and he's on the stoops with with his um very uh maybe we would say butch friend and um he sees the young man pass by they do this exchange the friend's like oh like okay you know and snaps the finger and the young man then approaches him and stabs him and just for just for appreciating his beauty, his present, and that he is seen. There's nothing that is, and that happens all the time. I mean, we flirt all the time. We we we, we are flirty people. We exchange <laughs> all the time. Um, but you know, the fear that we have of of romance or masculine um love is is a very real thing and there's a lot of people dying i mean we don't hear about that right there's a lot of people dying because of just the body that they that they exist in the way they choose to present themselves in the world um and i think a lot of the speakers last night spoke to that um enrique especially who is non-binary beautiful being um listen he had um, me laid out in the floor. They had me laid out in the floor with yes. that soft voice. I was yes. like, yes, they them, yes. And so they were able to allow us to see, give us an insight, a small insight of their world. And these are the narratives that often aren't un- that go muted in the church. Hence why I wanted to again censor those voices, those bodies, so that they can be seen. They can ha- they can have first access to the church because. The, like I shared, the United Methodist Church continue to want to uphold their discriminatory uh, law of not marrying same gender. And they tried to blame it on the black people who came to the conference. They were like, well, the Africans voted. And in my mind, I was like, well, who told, who went to Africa and colonized Africa and told those people this and, was Christianity brought, and brought this harmful this harmful version of theology to them mm-hmm. you did that you have to take responsibility for that right don't let don't let don't let the black people be your fall people right that's messed up right uh oh, there's this book called the coming um daniel black mm, my god I'm going to have to shout because he is a Temple graduate. He is in Atlanta right now. And I believe he teaches at the ITC and Spelman and maybe Morehouse. But The Coming is a book that you all need to pick up uh, where he talks about how 
how we were in the village in Africa before the invasion. It's a beautifully, poetically written book. There's also a book called The Spirit of Intimacy by Subufu Somme, who talks about the gatekeepers. And the gatekeepers are those um, in the village who are two-spirited. Even, even, even the Native Americans, um, the indigenous people, talk about two-spirited people, people right. who are able to navigate the spirit world as well, as well as this earthly vessel, who are able to um, be in their queerness and, and, and love who they love. And they have this particular access to the supernatural that ordinary people do not have or are unable to tap into and so we our being is needed if is needed in the church for that purpose um because we are gatekeepers and i and, and i like to often share that um with 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 people who are coming into their queerness or into their 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 peculiar beings so that they can find um context or text that will affirm them and let them know that indeed you are fearfully and wonderfully made yes and you are worthy Worthy of being in any space you desire to yes, occupy, yes. rather it be the church, rather it be the bars, rather it be the streets, where the clubs, wherever government. government. Yes, you are. You can occupy space, and you can speak, and you can be seen. Yes, there's this, space for all of us. There's room for more. Despite despite there's what the world has told us, there is space for all of us. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a really good note to end. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. <laughs> So, uh, in the description, you will be able to find all of Rem De Saint. Um, you will be able to find all of her social media as well as the link to her website. So, please, please, please support this wonderful, wonderful woman of God, of us, this family. Uh, she deserves all of it. Thank you, Dasha. Thank you, Akira. <laughs> Peace.